boom. With everyone's permission, we start. So Parshat Naso is the longest parashat in the Torah. There's 176 verses. There are a lot of ideas in it. But let's start like we've been, uh, we've been looking at a lot of the Haftarah that we've been doing. We're going to start with the, we're going to start with the Haftarah. So again, we're going to try to understand from the Haftarah, if the Haftarah is supposed to indicate what the parashat is about, we're going to try to understand from the Haftarah what the parashat is about. So the Haftarah tells us about the birth of Shimshon, the birth of Samson. And the Haftarah begins that there was a there was a certain man from a, from, a, from, a, from a family of Dan, and his name was Manoah. His wife was, his wife was Akara, his wife was barren, she didn't give birth. We know she was barren, she didn't give birth. So the question that the, the Mepharshim bring, why was, she, why was she barren? Was she barren or was it, was it his fault or her fault? Seems from the verse that she was barren and didn't give birth. But since they didn't have a doctor to go to and take all the tests in those days, they had a constant running battle. Whose fault is it, husband or wife? It says, one day an angel of Hashem appears to the woman. Why to the woman, not to the man? Why alone? And, the, and the, the angel tells her, he tells her that, uh, that she's pregnant. Right now you're conceiving. Right this moment you're pregnant. Whatever is happening is happening now. What's the woman's name? We don't know. The, Torah, the, the Tanakh doesn't give us the woman's name. The Gemara in Baba Batra, I think page 91, tells us the woman's name was Slalponit. Slalponit is supposed to be a magical name if you need like a prayer answered you say Slalponit a few times I don't know why but that's what one of the Midrashim say but for some reason they don't give us her name and they tell us the angel tells her that she's going to be blessed he says he says uh, you've, you've been uh, barren you haven't given birth but you will give birth to a son now listen to me don't drink wine don't drink wine he tells her and don't eat anything that you shouldn't eat. Don't eat anything bad. Don't eat anything tamer. What is it? What is tamer? I mean, don't maybe don't eat anything that's not kosher. That and listen to me. He says, don't give. Uh, he says, oh, he tells her why? Because you're pregnant and you're going to give birth to a child, and this child <coughs> you should never cut his hair. He's going to be a special level of nazir from the time that he's born. And he's going to save Israel from the hand of the Pilishtim. So now what happens? The angel disappears. So now you're a woman. You heard this. What does she do? She runs to her husband. She runs to her husband. She says to her husband, saying, Isha Elohim, a man of God. She doesn't know it's an angel. She thinks it's a holy man. He came to me in a vision. He looked like an angel of God. And he, uh, he scared me a lot. I didn't ask him where he was from or who he was or what his name was or anything. I didn't ask him questions. Why is it so important that she didn't ask him questions? Why does she have to tell all this to her husband? It seems like too much information. Just we're going to start trouble. But he says, he says to me, you are pregnant and you are going to give birth to a son and don't drink wine and don't eat anything that's uh, impure because your child is going to be a Nazir of God, a Nazarite, and uh, from the time that he's born until the time that he dies. So now Manoach doesn't believe her. Why doesn't he believe her? 
And he says, to, he starts to pray to God. He says, please God, send me this man of God that you sent to my wife so that he can come to me and tell me what I'm supposed to do. And uh, what do we do with the baby? What do you mean? Your wife just told you. He says that I shouldn't drink wine and I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't eat anything impure. And when the baby's born, don't cut his hair and don't give him wine. And he's going to be Nazir all his life. So, but he still prays. He prays to God. And Vaishmaha Elohim, and God hears the voice of Manoach. And the angel of God returns again to who? To his wife, not to him. And where is the wife? She's in the field. She's not in the kitchen. She's in the field. So Manoach must have said, God, I wanted you to send the guy to my office. He doesn't show up at his office. He shows up in the field. Who's supposed to be in the field? Manoach. Who's in the field? His wife. And he says, Umanoach Isha, and her husband is not with her. So the man shows up again. But Timaher Haisha, the woman hurries up, and she runs and she tells her husband, and she says to him, Behold, the guy came back. So Manoach gets up, gets up, he walks after his wife. Says this shows you he's not 100% because he shouldn't walk behind his wife. He should walk next to her, he shouldn't walk directly behind her. She comes to the man and he says to the man Are you the man that spoke to the woman? You walk over to the guy you say hi my name is Manoach and uh, this is my wife and thank you for the good news your wife just told you this is the guy what do you mean you're asking the guy are you the guy that spoke to my wife what are you accusing him of what? So, so he says, no, he says, the second time he was real. The first time she came in a dream. No, he says she. He appeared. To, she says it was a man of God who appeared as if he was an angel, but she didn't accept it was an angel. It looks like a man. So she. He's and this now. Manoah says, "Are you the man who spoke to my wife?" And the and the man says, the angel says, "Vayomer, I mean, I am." Vayomer Manoah. So Manoah says to him, "So now tell me, what's the story with the baby, and what are we supposed to do?" So the angel of God says to Manoach, everything I told your wife, you too should do. So now we got more information. What do you mean you too should do? So he also shouldn't drink wine. Why shouldn't he drink wine? He's not a Nazir. So this is the question. So one of the things the rabbis say, if you want your kid to grow up not drinking wine, you better not drink wine. If your kid, if your kid sees you drinking, you're going to tell him no drinking, he's going to drink. Says, so he says, Vayom Malach says, uh, he says, sorry, he says that, uh, okay, how can, we, how can we thank you? And we have the rest of the story that they're going to bring a sacrifice and all of a sudden the angel jumps into the fire, goes up to heaven. Manoach turns to his wife and says, we're going to die. We saw, we saw an angel, we saw God, we saw... And the wife says, if we we're going to die, why would, why would God have told us we're going to have a kid? And that's the end. And they, they give birth, they have a kid named Samson and Samson Shimshon, he grows up. So now, the, the question really is what's going on in the Haftarah? How does this Haftarah relate to the Perashah? So we could say that this Haftarah relates to the Perashah because in this week's portion of Nassau, we're going to read about a Nazir, the laws of a Nazir, the laws of someone who wants to be a Nazir. So therefore, the Haftarah tells us about Samson, who's the most famous Nazir, and therefore we should learn. The problem is, Samson isn't a regular Nazir. Why? Because we know, okay, so he can't drink wine or eat grapes. The same as a regular Nazir. He can't get a haircut. Now, a Nazir who's a Nazir for life is allowed to take a haircut once a year. 
Once a year, he takes a haircut. This Nazir, Samson, can never cut his hair. And we know the whole story with Delilah, and she cuts his hair. And, and the third thing is, the biggest prohibition of a Nazir, probably the most difficult prohibition of a Nazir, is he can't come close to a dead body. Now, one person who came close to a lot of dead bodies was Samson, right? So, so he's not really a Nazir, the same as the laws of Nazir. So if you're trying to tell me about Nazir, couldn't you find some other story to tell me about Nazir? What is it about this Haftarah that's going to really tell us what's going on in this whole parasha? And I think that through this Haftarah, we understand the connection of the Sota, the Nazir, and why Birkat Kohanim, the blessing of the priest, follows those two things, which seems very out of place. So if we go back into the into the portion of the week to, to Nassau, we see in chapter 5, Pasuk 11. Chapter 5, Pasuk 11. Okay. So it says, Daber, Ish Ish. So any, a man, a man, the question everyone asks, why does it say ish, ish? Why does it say man, man? Just should say a, a person. So, so he says, a man whose wife should go astray and commit treachery against him. It says, so now we, we have a problem. So it's going to tell us about the, the laws of a sota. So what's going to say? It says, she betrays this woman. She betrays her husband. And she betrays God. Why does she betray God? Because she does what's wrong. But what's different between this to betray God and anything else someone does wrong to betray God? This woman, what does she do wrong? Basically, her husband tells her, I don't want you seeing Mr. Joe. Okay? I don't want you being alone with Mr. Joe. And what does she do? She and Joe go into a room, lock the door, and nobody knows what goes on in that room. But her husband already told her, I don't want you and Joe together. She ignores her husband. Not only she ignores, she goes completely against her husband. And she locks herself in the room with Joe. So what makes the husband suspicious? Something. She's been flirting with Joe. Okay, Joe's been very attentive to her. Husbands get jealous. You know what? Men get jealous, right? So the husband tells her, I don't want you with Joe. Now she locks herself in a room with Joe. There's no witnesses to what went on in the room with Joe. But she comes out of the room with Joe and she has a big smile. She says, what did she do? She betrays her husband and she betrays Hashem. Why does she betray God? Anything you do wrong, you betray God. If you go against Shabbat, you betray God. If you eat something you're not supposed to eat, you betray God. If you kill somebody, you betray God. But it doesn't say in those places she betrays God. Here... She betrays God. Why here, of all places, does she betray God? Now, what are we going to do? So the man brings his wife to the priest. Yeah. Is that what we learned the laws of Yehud? So, interesting enough, the laws of Yehud are rabbinical laws that come later on. So, in fact, there were no laws of Yehud at the time. So, what's the laws of Yehud? We have laws of Yehud meaning a man can't seclude himself with a woman alone they can't be alone so so basically 
unless they're married, right? Or I mean, there's other things that if you know, it's not allowed by halacha. Why? It's a rabbinical prohibition because you say you put a guy and a girl alone together, and you never know what's going to happen. So to avoid, you never know what's going to happen. Let's keep it that way. But in these days, originally, biblically, it wasn't forbidden. So he, the guy locks himself in the room with her after the husband said, don't go there. And what happens? It says basically, she, he, brings her, he brings his wife to the, to the, to the Kohen. And this is, he brings a korban for her. And, what, and then he goes further. He says that, And she stands in front of God. So she comes to the, to the Ben HaMikdash or the Mishkan. She's standing outside, specifically by the Kior, by the, uh, they translate the Kior, the wash basin. Now remember, the wash basin was made with the copper that the women used to beautify themselves when they were in Egypt, before they were with her husband. So, so to say, look at what your mothers did. They were so committed to their husbands that they went to beautify themselves so that they would be attractive to their husbands, so their husbands would be with them, so they would have children, even though they were in Egypt under all this oppression. And you go against your husband and lock yourself in a room with some guy. So, the grivo kohen, and the, so the kohen brings us, she stands in front of God, and the priest takes holy water in a, uh, in a, uh, a vessel of, of, of pottery, and he takes from the ground some dirt of, from what's inside the Mishkan, from, the, from, the, from the, the ground of the Mishkan. Then Atan El Hamayim, he puts the dirt in the water. And then, so he, then he takes and he writes something on, the, on a piece of paper. He writes the name of God. And he puts this ink with the paper inside the water. And he gives her from that to drink. Now, what does it say? It says that this is the this is the test. So she's going to drink this water, holy water, with a little dirt and a little ink, and it's going to tell us what she did. This is the test. There's no lie detector. Then there's no other way to check. And if she drinks, and if she's guilty, and if she's a terrible person, the midrash tells us. I don't know if it ever happened. I don't know if anyone saw it, but you know it says in the Gemara, the midrash someone saw. She blows up like a balloon and pop. Okay, that's it. And if uh, she was a good person, but she was guilty, then she'll go home and she'll get sick and uh, she'll pass away. And if she really didn't do anything, and she's being accused where she shouldn't be accused, what's going to happen? She's going to get pregnant and have a child. So we know that in certain cases, we had women who, said, who couldn't get pregnant. One of the stories is the, wife, the mother of Samson, the mother of Samson is Chana, but Hanah, says that she basically threatened God of, Shem, of Sam, not Samuel, Samuel, sorry, of Shmuel, the mother of Samson, Chana. She basically threatens God and says to God, listen, God, if you don't let me get pregnant, I'm going to become a sota. I know I'm not going to sin and I'm going to drink from the water and you're going to have to give me a child because I didn't sin. So if you don't want to put me through this whole terrible ceremony, then get me pregnant now. So, the question is, why do we have to go through this? Really, in the Torah, we have not so much hocus-pocus. This really is hocus-pocus on the extreme. Okay? You could always imagine, you know, if the Kohen didn't like her, he could stick something else into the drink. Or if he did like her, he could stick... It's, it's leaving too much to what's going on here. 
right? And the fact she's going to die from the drink, what's in the drink, some dirt from the floor, from some ink, from his... What, what's going on? If we want to ask a question of Hashem, we already have a vehicle to ask. What's the vehicle to ask in the time of the, of the Bet HaMikdash? We have the Urim Vetumim, we have the, the breastplate of the high priest, and you could go ask a question, and go, beep, 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 the letters light up, and you have to try to read the letters in the right order. Sometimes you misread the letters, and you get the wrong, the wrong order. Like, for example, when the priest Eli saw Hana praying, the mother of Samuel, he saw the letters light up, excuse me, and he saw that it said, Shechorah, drunk, right? But it really said, Kesherah, kosher. So he said he read it the wrong way. So the priest has to know how to read it. But why do we have this whole thing that you're going to take God's name and erase God's name in the water? Well, what's the, what's the story that, that it's happening? So you have this whole story with the sota, and this whole story takes place in the, in the courtyard of the Mishkan, the courtyard of the Ben Amikdash, and it's really in front of a lot of people. And I imagine, you know, the day there was the spectacle of the, uh, of the, of the sota, there must have been a lot of crowds came to see it. What's going to happen, Right. And they, they do all, they make her take her hair out and they tear open her shirt and they, they do a lot of crazy things. And people come and it says, if you came to see this and if you were affected by it, what happens? It says, that person should take a vow of Nazirut. That person should take a vow to be a Nazir. And the next chapter that immediately follows this whole story about the, the, the sota is a person, it says that a man or a woman who, vow, who vows a vow to become a nazir to God. So right after this whole chapter of sota, the next chapter is nazir. The Gemara says, why does one follow the other? Because a person who sees the sota ceremony should go and make a vow to be a nazir. So his wife uh, which one? Manoah. Manoah's wife. His wife is the first, uh, is the first sota. No, maybe there was, but, but she seems to be like, yeah, so that's really, so the, the Arizal is explaining. So David got on the hit, hit the nail on the head. Why do you have this whole story of Manoah and, and, uh, and, and Slopanit, the parents of Samson? Why is that the Haftarah? We think it's only about being a Nazir because Samson comes to be a Nazir. But the reality is, it's more of a story of a sota. Why? He tells her, what do you mean you're with the guy? Who's the guy? The guy, now you're pregnant? What does that mean? What's going on? How did you get pregnant? You couldn't get pregnant for 30 years and suddenly you meet some guy and now you're pregnant? God, send me back the guy. And he is, are you the guy? So the whole thing is what? He's wondering how his wife got pregnant. He's in essence accusing his wife of being uh, with the guy. So that that's that's uh, really hitting it right exactly. So but he this, says, "This is sota in the open." This is sota in the open. But what do you mean? She was in the field. <laughs> is the field much different than being in a in a locked room? You know, in the middle of the the field, you can't see much around you. You're stuck in between the you know the the growing uh, the growing uh, barley or the growing wheat. So he says. So what happens? Is a person sees this whole thing happen? And he sees, uh, it sees what happens when someone might be, might be drinking. Maybe the woman or the guy, they were drinking and therefore they, they uh, little got to them. They went in the room, they locked the door and 
you drink a little, you could get a little uh, kuku. That's what the Gemara is saying. So this person vows to be a Nazir. He could vow to be a Nazir for 30 days, or he could vow to be a Nazir for a year, or he could vow to be a Nazir for a lifetime. What happens when a person vows to be a Nazir? So he's not allowed to have wine or grape products. He's not allowed to have a haircut. And he's not allowed to go to a funeral. Not even for a relative. With regard to a funeral, he's the same as a Kohen Gadol. The high priest can't go to a funeral. His mother, father, sister, nothing. He can't go to a funeral. So this, this priest is compared to Kohen Gadol. I mean, this person who's a Nazir is compared to a Kohen Gadol. Even if his father or his mother passed away, he can't go be at the funeral. He can't make himself Tamer. So, but what's so great that we compare him to uh, Kohen Gadol? It says, we say that he's not allowed to drink wine. But if you're going to tell me get, getting drunk was the problem, this guy who's a Nazir can go. So we have in this synagogue something called a beverage fund. Okay? Everyone that goes up to the Torah on Saturday gives a donation to the synagogue, and usually they give a donation to the beverage fund. The beverage fund usually has more money than the synagogue fund. <laughs> the beverage fund is used to buy the most expensive liquor you could imagine. I don't know where these guys know, but they're all much younger than me. And they buy very, very expensive liquor. Lately, it's been this tequila that costs $350 a bottle. And this is, this is what we have on Saturday morning after we pray. The beverage fund supplies the drinks. So imagine a guy takes a vow of a, to be a Nazir, and he wants to come here. So in the morning, we, in the morning first we have Kiddush, where they give you a little bit of grape juice in one of those little plastic cups, but he can't drink that. But then we have nice crystal glasses. They bought special glasses, the beverage fund, and they use them only for the morning Kiddush of the boys. Right? It's really boys club. And they take these beautiful glasses and they pour for everyone as much as you could drink. It's like Purim Achashverosh. To each person, as much as they could drink, drink. And if you don't drink, they still make you drink. Okay. One of the bottles of liquor I looked down at had its own registration number. I was sitting next to you, right? So now I'm, I'm a Nazir. I'm a Nazir. I'm taking this vow so that I shouldn't drink, that I shouldn't get like the person who ends up with the sotah, and what do I do? I come to here to pray. I can't drink at all from the, the little cup of grape juice. I can't touch it. But when they come to the tequila, oh boy, I can have as much as I want. So what's the point? What's the point of telling a Nazir, you're not going to drink? He only can't drink wine. You want beer? Any beer you want, you have a list, there's a hundred beers on the wall. Whichever one you want, you could drink. Any vodka, any whiskey, any, anything. It's all there to drink. So if you're Nazir, what do you do? You can't make Kiddush on wine, so you make Kiddush on bread. The four cups on Passover, okay, so use Coca-Cola. What are you going to do? He says, and Havdalah, you, use, you make beer, but you could drink anything else you want. So it's strange that the Gemara says that a person who sees a sota, he's going to have to become a Nazir. Why? What is the sota's real connection to Nazir? We continue, and we see in 6.11, it says, it says, uh, after he, after he, what's it called? After he finishes his Nezirut, he says, 
after he finishes his nezirut, his uh, his ve'asako uh, Okay, so after he finishes, so he took a, a, a pledge to be a nazir for thirty days. After he finishes the thirty days, what does he do? He has to come. He has to come to the Ben Hamikdash, and he has to bring an offering. Ve'asako, in addition to his offering that he brings, ve'asako hen echad dechatat ve'echad leola. So one of his offerings is a, a burnt offering. One of them is a sin offering. So the question you all have to ask, what do you mean he has to bring a sin offering? This guy just pledged for 30 days not to make himself impure, not to drink wine, not to cut his hair, so that he should serve God properly. Now you're going to tell me after he finishes 30 days he has to bring a sin offering? What sin did he make that he has to bring an offering? So the rabbis explain the sin that he made is that God gave us the world and all the things of the world to enjoy and he restricted himself from enjoying and therefore he has to bring a sin offering. He should enjoy. We have wine. We're supposed to drink wine. And he restricted himself from drinking wine. Therefore he has to bring a sin offering. So the question everyone asks is this. Is he like the Kohen Gadol? Or is he a sinner? Which one is it? Is the Nazir like a high priest? That he has the same rules as a high priest? Or is he a sinner that he has to bring a sin offering? He says because he suffered himself, the Pasuk says because he suffered himself not to have wine. But what if he, uh, what if he didn't take on Nezirut? What if he just, thank you. Uh, what if he didn't take Nezirut? What if he made just a vow a guy gets up and he says, I'm going to make a vow, right? He's going to make a vow that I won't taste wine for 30 days. So after he finishes his 30 days and he's going to be able to have wine, does he have to bring a sacrifice that he didn't enjoy something in the world? He doesn't. What if a guy says that I take a vow for 30 days, he's not going to eat chicken? What if a guy takes a vow for 30 days, he's not going to eat bread? What if a guy takes a vow not to do anything? So you could say you didn't enjoy what God gave you in the world to enjoy, and therefore you should bring. Why only a Nazir has to bring this sin offering with this explanation? Because you didn't enjoy what God gave you to enjoy. So when Nazir finishes, he brings, it says also, when the Nazir, he says, When a person brings, finishes his days of being a Nazir, He should bring himself. It's very strange language. It should just say, Yavo, he should come. He says, Yavi, he should bring Oto himself. Who's himself? What does it mean that he should bring himself? It's hard to understand. So Rashi says, no, he should come. But it, it's still, it's a hard. So why is the language of the Torah using a strange language? The easier way to say is, the day he finishes, Yavo, he should come. Not Yavi, he should bring himself. So that's the question. Says, so that, that's where we leave it now. So we're going to leave that. We're going to try to come back to it. So the next subject in the parasha is a very short subject. This is the last subject we're going to talk about. It says, God says to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his children, saying, This is how you should bless the children of Israel. You should say to them. Then we have 15 words. God should bless you and watch over you. What does that mean? God should bless you and watch over you. So Rashi says, What's the kavanah? God should give me money. Show me the money. 
Show me the money, right? That was the movie, right? Show me the money. That's it. That's what you're supposed to think. Show me the money. And what's the Yishmerecha, and he should watch over you, that I shouldn't lose the money in the stock market. That's it. God should show me the money, and he should protect me that I don't lose it. So I should put my money in a nice, simple uh, Citibank account that uh, doesn't uh, lose my money, right? Yeah, it says, The next pasuk tells you about the learning of, of Torah, and the last pasuk is, Yisa Hashem Panav, Hashem should show his face to you, Ve'asem Lecha Shalom, that a person in, in that, uh, in that, in that, that pasuk, he should have, uh, he should have, he should have his prayers answered. So the first blessing of the Birkat Kohanim is for, is for, to have a good life, to have uh, Parnassah, to have money, and to keep the money. The second blessing is to learn Torah, to learn, and the third blessing is that my prayers should be answered. That's what we're supposed to think when the priest goes up to bless you. It says, we all know that, 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 that the priestly blessing is probably the most powerful blessing a person could get in this world. You have many people that, you know, we go to certain places. I know that you go to certain places in Brooklyn and they say a, a righteous guy is coming to town. Call this number, make an appointment to get a blessing. You see it in the Jewish newspaper. This righteous guy is coming. Call him up to get a blessing. You come to the guy, he asks you what business you're in, what do you do, decides how much you have to give him, and then he gives you a nice blessing. People go line up for these blessings from all these people. You want to get the best blessing. Don't go line up. Don't go to any of these people. Don't go to any of them. Come to the synagogue in the morning when the priests go up, when the Kwanim go to make the blessing. They go under their talet. They make the blessing. God is blessing you better than anything else. The Arizal writes, and he writes that he would tell Rav Chaim Vital. Rav Chaim Vital says when the Arizal would, would be there for Birkat Kwanim, he would say, don't look at my face. Because his face is reflecting with a blessing from the priests, and it's as if God is there, he would say. It's as powerful a moment as you can get. So, again, in Rashi brings this whole thing, God should give you sustenance and he should protect you from thieves, that no one should take it away from you. It's such an important blessing that, that, that instead of running to people, people should just do this. And he said the second one was the Torah, the third one was prayer. So he says, it's amazing what this bracha. Can, can do for a person this bracha is better than anything else and Hashem says I will bless so this parasha so the, those are the three subjects that we have in this parasha the first one we talked about was the sota the next is nazir and the third one is birkat kohanim almost always this portion almost always is read after Shavuot after the holiday of Shavuot the, that we just celebrated the holiday of the giving of the Torah we read this portion What's the connection? So the Arizal says, we say every Friday night, Yom Hashishi Vayechulu. Yom Hashishi was the sixth day and God finished the heaven and the earth. He says, Yom Hashishi, what is Yom Hashishi? We know that the Torah was given, we say, Shesh Besivan, on the sixth day of Sivan. So when we say Yom Hashishi, we're not only referring to Friday becoming Shabbat, but we're referring to the sixth day of Sivan when God gave the Torah, when God came down and the revelation happened on Sinai. So it says, what is the sixth of Sivan? A sixth of Sivan is a continuation of the first Friday when Adam was created. Because we say when Adam was created, it was before the sin, and then Adam eventually sins. When we received the revelation on Sinai, 
the, the people at that point were as if they were at the level of Adam before the sin. Then we mess up with the golden calf. But at that point, we were Adam before the sin. The first sota wasn't this woman. Who was the first sota? Exactly. Chava, Eve. What happened? Chava, she secluded herself with the snake. Where was she? Basadeh in the field. Basadeh, Basadeh, in the field, in the field. Where was Adam? Sleeping. Why was he sleeping? We talked about it. <laughs> Here, Manoah is Adam. His wife, Slalponit, is Chava. The stranger, the holy man, where does he approach the woman? In the field, Basadeh. It's exactly the same. She tells her husband, a holy man came to me. He said to me, I'm pregnant. Manoah says to her, uh, yeah? Remember what happened the last time the snake was with you in the, in the, in the garden and nine months later you were pregnant? You, and nine months later you had a baby. Whose baby was it? How did you get pregnant? Was it from me? Was it from him? He says, the holy man came to you out of nowhere? Makes no sense. Come on. Fool me once when I was Adam and you were Chava. Shame on me. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Right? He says, now how are you going to do it? You go back to Shoftim, you see the whole story. The first lady is Chava. What did she do? She betrayed her husband. She gave her husband to eat. She gave him grapes. And she squeezed them for him to drink. It says, Ish, Ish. A man, a man. Who's Ish, Ish? It says, Ish, Ish. She's the first sota. Man has to fix the sin of Adam. Through the sota, you're going to see to fix the sin of Adam. How? How does a man fix the sin of Adam? If he sees the sota... He has to swear to be a Nazir. How? Not so easy to avoid being Tumah, Tameh, to, to avoid the dead. Not so easy. Avoid haircut, avoid wine. Why? What's so special about the wine? He says the Torah is talking about these things and the reality is all of this is to re- repair the damage that was done by Adam and Eve, by Adam and Chava. He says, therefore we see Yom Hashishi. Yom HaShishi is the sixth day of Sivan, which is compared to the sixth day of creation. That was the day Adam and Chava were created on the sixth day. That was the day that they sinned. Now that the sixth passed, the holiday of Shavuot was the sixth of Sivan, there's a message for us in this Parashav Naso that we always read following the sixth. What's the message? The Sota is this lady. She comes... And she's going to do whatever she's going to do. The question is, how, how could it be? The husband told us specifically, Honey, I don't want you to hang out with Joe. Not only does she <coughs> hang out with Joe, she doesn't hang out with Joe in, 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 in public. It's not like she's sitting in the bar with Joe. It's not like she just went out for a drink with Joe. She took a room upstairs in the, in the Pierre and locked herself in the room with Joe in the Pierre. She's not in the bar. What is she doing? She's no question about it. She's throwing it in her husband's face. There's no question. There's no excuse for her to go upstairs and take a room in the Pierre and lock herself in the room with Joe. You want to have a drink with Joe in the bar? She's not a sota. 
You want to have a drink with Joe and you want to go with him to the club? She's not a sota. But once she locks herself in the room with Joe, boom, she threw it in his face. Why would she do this? Says the Arizal, she has a spark of Chava. She has a spark of Chava inside her. She has a spark of Eve. Just like Chava spoke to the snake and the snake touched her and caused whatever it caused. He says, what? Oh, he's, forget it. Joe, Joe's weak. So here's the reality. Men are a lost cause. It's the women who are a higher level who were put to a higher standard. Okay? We know that for sure. Men come from mud, women come from life, for sure. So the whole point is the Nazir sees this. <coughs> he sees the downfall of the world. Why? Because of the sota, because of what Chavad did with the snake, because the woman locked herself in the room against the wishes. So what does he do? He has to fix it. How? He has to be like a Kohen Gadol, like a high priest. Why? Because Adam Harishon, when he was originally created, he was like the high priest. But once he sinned, what did he do? He fell. He says that this Nazir is very holy. This Nazir, but when he finishes, he has to bring a Khatat. Why does he have to bring a sin offering? Says the, the Arizal, not because he didn't enjoy wine. He says, Yavi Atzmo. He's bringing himself. Who is he bringing? He's bringing himself means he's bringing Adam. He's bringing mankind because every one of us is Adam. So Yaviyat Atzmo, he's bringing himself. He's bringing the Adam who's within him. He's bringing Adam because who sinned originally? Adam, not him. He's trying to fix the sin of Adam. He's trying to be metaken of mankind. Says the Ari, this is what Yaakov Avinu, this is what Jacob saw. So when Jacob blessed his sons, he blessed his sons and he blessed his son, Dan. And he says the offshoot of Dan, he saw that through Dan is going to come the Messiah. Who's the potential Messiah that comes from Dan? Samson, Shimshon. So what happens, Shimshon is going to be the first potential Mashiach. He says, so the angel comes to Slalponi, comes to the wife. He says to her, don't drink. Don't eat. You have to repair what Chava did. You can't eat. You can't drink. Because from you is going to come the Mashiach. We're going to start from scratch. It's nothing to do with Manoah. It all has to do with her. She's the one who's repairing Chava. She's the one who's going to have the baby. But we don't say her name because we're talking because she's not really Slalponit here. Who is she really? She's Chava. She's the repairing of Chava. Therefore, her name doesn't appear in the text. He says, now Hashem has mercy. He comes, he says, you can't have children. <coughs> Why can't you have children? Why does a woman... He says, but you should have children because you followed all the rules. So he says, the, the, so the Arizal says, she's Chava. And what does she do? She hears this unbelievable news from the angel and she runs to her husband. She runs to her husband and her husband's accusing and says, what do you mean? Is this son going to come from the snake? What's really going on here? So then all of a sudden we have Birkat Kohanim after the Nazir. Why do we have Birkat Kohanim after the Nazir? Who's the Nazir? The Nazir is someone who restrained himself. Someone who showed tremendous self-control. Adam ate what he should not have eaten. Adam drank what he should not drink. And the, and the Nazir is going to see that he's going to repair Adam by having tremendous 
self-control. Because the sin of man is what? A lack of self-control. The repair of the sin is self-control. The Gemara Brachot asks a question. It says that Hashem writes in the Torah that He doesn't smile to someone who doesn't deserve it and He doesn't take a bribe. He doesn't smile to someone who doesn't deserve. So if you want to get something from God, you have to deserve. You can't bribe God. But the Gemara asks a question. We say in Birkat Kohanim that if someone comes to the synagogue, it says, The Kohen's going to bless them, that God's going to give them money, watch over them. What is it? Do you only give to the guy who deserves or the guy who came and stood there for the blessing of the priest is going to get also? Why is that person deserving to get if he doesn't deserve? Why should he get if he doesn't deserve to get? You wrote God, you're not going to give them. And now the first blessing of the priest is what? Give them money? What does money have to do? Why are you giving them money? What is, his, what is, what is going on that you're giving him money? So he says, the Kohen is blessing. He's not cursing. But meanwhile, Hashem, what did you say? When man sinned, you said, how are you going to earn money? The first curse of man was what? Bezeat apecha tochal lechem. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to earn, you're going to eat bread. So, if you, so, so earning a living is a blessing or a curse? It's a curse. Now you're telling me I'm going to bless the guy that he should earn a living without working. But you already said that he has to earn a living by sweating. Why is the Kohen coming to change the curse to a blessing? So the Arizal says, the curse came from a lack of restraint. Says the Gemara, Hashem told the angels... B'nai Israel are different. He says, I wrote, if they don't deserve, I won't smile. I, but I also wrote in the Torah, Ve'achalta, ve'savata, uberachta. I wrote, and you should eat, and you should be satisfied, and you should bless. It says, we have a law to say Berkat Hamazon. This is the only blessing that we're required to say from the Torah. A person eats, a person satisfied, and a person blesses. But the rabbis came and changed it. The fact is, I'm only required to savor karamazon if I ate to the point where I can't eat anymore, then I'm totally satisfied. But we know the law is that if a person eats a piece of bread the size of an egg or the size of an olive, that person has to still say karamazon. Why? It's ve'achalta ve'savata uberachta. You were satisfied. I'm not satisfied with the size of an of a olive of bread. Why am I still saying Birkat HaMazon? Why would the rabbis change the rule if God said you were satisfied? So the Zohar says that a person has to understand that this, if a person says to themselves, with this small amount of bread, with 27 grams, I'm full, I'm satisfied, that's a person of restraint. And that person who says he's satisfied with very little, his satisfaction, his restraints, is a tikkun, is a repair of Adam HaRishon. Adam did not restrain himself. He did not hold back. And what happened? He was cursed. How does he earn a living? Cursed, sweat of your brow. But the first blessing of the Birkat is Parnassah. Why? Why does it follow the Nazir? Because the lesson is, if you want to have the blessing of the Kohanim, what do you have to do? You have to be like the Nazir. What do you have to be like the Nazir? Self-control and restraint. 
A person who holds back, who restrains himself, he has the ability to fix the sin of Adam. The consequence of the sin is you have to work hard. The opposite, when you repair the sin, what happens? You get it as a gift. So as a consequence of working to work hard, you blame Adam. What do you have to do? Hashem tells the angels, I bless the people because they restrain themselves. They eat a small piece and they say they're full. They eat a small piece and they say, I'm satisfied. I, I'm, I'm full. He says that is, is a high level. The Ari says there's something called a fast of restraints. My rabbi used to talk about this thing called the fast of restraint. And I never understood it from my father and my grandfather. My father would always say, you have to take a ta'am. What is a ta'am? A taste. And I remember my father would take a little piece of a kibbeh and eat a little piece of a, a little Syrian delicate, a torpedo, whatever. He would take a little piece and that's it. He would put it back. And it's like really like, you know, they say you can't have just one Lay's potato chip, right? Yeah. You eat one, you want more. So he says, the question is, is it easier to eat none or to eat one and not eat any more? So the, the, what the rabbis say, it's much more difficult to taste and then not eat any more. So this is called a fast, a ta'anit of restraint. That a person tastes a little and then he says, enough, no more. So he says that a person who could eat a little and say enough, no more, that person is being metaken, he's fixing Adam on the highest level because he's subjecting himself to the test and then he's holding back. What did Noah try to do? Noah comes through the flood and the first thing he does after the flood is he plants what? A vineyard. And he goes and he drinks from the grapes. Why? He wanted to subject himself to what? The test of Adam. And he wanted to come through by touching, but not doing too much. What does he do in the end? He gets drunk, it's over, and he destroys himself. And at that point, he's never again. So it's very dangerous to put yourself in the test. He says, but we face that test every single day, says the Arizal. Every single time a person eats and they say, I'm satisfied with the kazayid or kabetzah, I'm satisfied with 27 grams or 54 grams, a small piece. He says that that person is being metaken, the sin of Adam. He says that really what happens at Shesh Pesivan, what happens Shavuot, what happens with Matan Torah, we're going back to the level of Adam before the sin. How do we fix it going forward? To try to make sure that Adam fell. Why? Because of his lack of satisfaction or his lack of restraint. So what do we have to do? We have to be a person who after Shavuot goes is to show restraint. And therefore we have the story of the Sota. She messes up because she's being exactly like Chava. We have the story of the Nazir. Someone who sees is trying to fix. How? By showing self-control. By showing restraint. And of a person who shows self-control and restraint, which is so you start with sota, you go to Nazir, you end up with the blessing of the Kohanim. How do you get to the blessing of the Kohanim? By being like the Nazir. Not saying I'm going to be a Nazir, but by saying I'm going to show self-control. I'm going to show self-control on where I need to. And at that point, you start a new beginning. And if a person says I'm committed to show self-control, then that person starts Shavuot as if he's man, again created on the sixth day, but without the sin. So, uh, a person who's having relations outside of Chabad, he's blocking Panasah. In essence, that's the, in essence, really, from what I understand, 
it must be that a person who's, who's blocking Parnassah is doing something where he's showing a lack of self-control. It's so, and it must be that a person who's getting extraordinary, extra Parnassah is doing something in his life where he's showing control. Each one of us has our own test. It could be in some way, some form, somehow. But it must be that that person who's, who we look at and say, what does that guy do? Why has he got a billion dollars? Must be in his own life he's subject to some test that he's overcoming and he's overcoming the Nachash and the Nachash is the one who's supplying him. It seems that that's what, that's what the, 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 the Arizal is telling us. And you also be in shape at the same time. You also be in shape at the same time. So a nazir is not a nazir for life. So, a nazir, so today the problem is, if a person takes on a vow of being a nazir, he has no way to end it, because the only way to end the vow is to bring a sacrifice in the in the mishkan or the mikdash. Since we can't, so I I remember that there was a, a person in Yerushalayim. He was called the nazir of Yerushalayim. He was in the 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 Rav Kook. He was by Rav Kook and. Uh, Merkaz Arab, and he was a Nazir, and everyone knew him as a Nazir. And he took on a vow of Nazirut for life, and he was known as the Nazir of Yerushalayim. But if someone takes a vow of, uh, to be a Nazir today, it's a vow of a Nazir for life.